Welcome and thank you for joining Diaries of an Ex-Adult Entertainer with Robin Robbins, the podcast, where we have real, raw, and uncut conversations about transforming negative experiences. Get ready to be empowered to take inspired action to heal, activate inner liberation, and birth your new. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Diaries of an Exodote Entertainer, the podcast with your illustrious, vivacious host, moi, Robin <laughs> Robbins. And today we are in for a treat. I hope you all are ready. Listen, without further ado, I'm going to jump right in and introduce our guest. Mary Alejowski, honey, isn't her name so spicy? It is. Is a current marriage and family therapy grad student at Toro University. She started her personal journey once she decided to divorce. Mary took the next flight to Austria where her aunt lived. There she found her peace. She came back and couldn't fully let go of her disorganized attachment that she had to her first husband. She hired a life coach who specialized in divorce, did a lot of inner healing, got off antidepressants, mm-hmm. ultimately found the love of her life and her calling. She then hired a business coach and founded Divine Love Guide a high-end relationship coaching program where she teaches high-achieving women to obtain and sustain love. Everybody, (laughs) welcome Coach Mary Alijoski. (laughs) Thank you for that wonderful intro. It's a pleasure to be here. So excited. You guys, her story is very, very, very unique. And I'm super excited because she is currently a grad student. And so there's going to be a duality within this interview that I want you all to really, really perk up and listen for, because she's not only going to be talking from the vantage point of the person that went through it, but she's also going to be able to provide us these therapeutic insights as to the psychology portion of what goes on behind these type of experiences. So when I say you are in for a treat, you (laughs) are definitely in for a treat. Let's jump right into it. Tell us um, a little bit about your first marriage and what that was like for you. Oh, the first marriage was definitely a difficult seven years, seven years of bad luck. So uh, if anyone is listening who knows me, um, all jokes aside, so that that marriage has taught me a lot, and I look back on it with with grace, uh, love, and forgiveness. Um, but it was definitely um, impactful in my mental health. It really was very destructive. And um, looking back at it now, like I said, from a stance of forgiveness and love, and you know happiness, I look back and I just think that. Um, we were just not a compatible match. And that's what it all comes down to. 
Um, I often hear that sometimes, you know, in the psychology world, now I really understand things from such a deeper level instead of just a superficial level, like, you know, not saying things like, oh, well, he was so bad or this and that. And now I really understand that sometimes we are not a fit for someone and they're not a fit for us. So I think what it all comes down to is being with someone who's complementary to you, to your values, to your personality, to your spiritual background, you know, any, like there's so many aspects to us humans. And when you find someone who's complementary to most of those things and ha doesn't have to be everything, then I think what you will find is peace with that partner. And I did not have that because overall it was not complementary to me. And that's the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What was your mental and or emotional state? It was really and that and that marriage. Take us back to that place when you was in that marriage. What was that like for you emotionally, mentally? What was going on there in that space? So as a high achieving woman, even then, um, I was, you know, doing my undergrad at the time. I was working full time. I was cooking. I was cleaning. I was doing laundry. Like anything, you know, a day to day woman does. I was doing that, you know, working around the clock. And then the evening will hit where, you know, I would be, you know, around him and I would have these panic attacks, you know, just to being around him. It was like I was panting and, you know, every day we were arguing. Like I said, the main reasons because we were just not complimentary to one another and um, I go I'll go deeper into it later but I was so attached to him that I couldn't let him go even though it was not good for me so but to make it a visual picture for those listening my panic attacks would be it would start where everything will turn black and you know I could feel my hands you know starting to get weak and I would literally just collapse to the ground um, and a lot of times this would happen in the bathroom because when I feel like I couldn't argue anymore, I didn't have the energy to argue anymore. I would just lock myself into the bathroom. It would get dark and then I would just collapse. And then I would go toward the window in my apartment over there, um, and just go try to get a fresh breath air because I didn't have enough strength to go outside to go for a walk. And I was in therapy at the time and we did go to therapy and we tried to make it work. But even my psychiatrist who's a Muslim as well, he's like, listen, you know, we're from the same religious background. We're from the same culture. I'm telling you this not as a psychiatrist. I'm telling you as a family friend, you know, this is not the person for you. There's a path for him and there's a path for you. And if you stay any longer, you are not going to be able to have kids. And, um, you know, your mental health will deteriorate. So despite the fact that you're going to school and despite the fact that you're a full-time worker, you know, I was you know, 4.0 GPA student, employee of the month at, you know, Newark Presbyterian Hospital, doing all these things. And here the psychiatrist was telling me, Mary, um, you're, you're going to go down and you're going to probably end up somewhere here in admissions if you continue doing what you're doing. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So what was the defining moment for you? When, when did it click where you, because, you know, as women, you know, we love, we love hard. 
Yeah. And we will stay and stay and stay and try to work through so many things, um, not wanting to give up, just believing that maybe if we get help, maybe if this, maybe if that, you know, it'll be better. Although the psychiatrist said that, yeah. what was the personal defining moment for you when you recognized within yourself, like, oh my God, like I really gotta, I have to get out of this. Uh, so it was the health, you know, the health deteriorating and I could feel myself, you know, not feeling well. And, but what really did it for me was the fact that, um, I got the second job, um, because when I started to work, you know, two jobs, um, then I was like, well, I can provide for myself completely. I don't need to rely on him for anything. And at that point he was not contributing anymore, I think for the past year or maybe more so i said to myself like okay this is not making any sense one my health is deteriorating and two i don't have any financial benefit from this person so what is the point of staying you know and and i just said you know what i think what i need to do is just get out of this environment and that's when i booked the ticket to austria just randomly i was in my office and i'm like okay the ticket seven hundred dollars no problem i have the money i'm going right now who <laughs> you are helping you are helping you really you really are helping i hope y'all picking up what she's putting down you know i'm gonna highlight a few points in a second but this is already getting good to my whole entire soul okay this is getting real good so you book the flight you go yep take us to that place once you're there how did that journey begin so funny enough, he drove me there. My ex, my first husband, <laughs> drove me to the airport and was livid. He was like, so you want me to drive you to the airport because, like, what is going on? Like, I think he thought that we were going to go pick someone up. <laughs> but I'm like, uh, no, no, no. Like, I, I didn't take a lot of things. I had, like, this little mini luggage. You know, it was I hid it in the trunk. And I'm like, listen, I'm leaving. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm leaving. Like, I'm going. I got to go. And he's just like, okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to Austria. And that's when the phone call started. You know, my cultural community, very much so like any other strong cultural community, doesn't matter what culture you're from, is people start talking. You know, uh -huh. people, people are like, oh, the runaway bride. That's what they called me. <laughs> you know, my, my culture is very strong, Islamic yeah. background. Um, Macedonian next to Greece and so um, the the phone call started that I was a runaway bride so I'm already on the plane and and all the people in my community is like okay Mary's running away she's you know ditching her husband and she's doing something so rebellious mm -hmm. and unlike herself because they knew me as the woman who's quiet and very conforming because the medications that I was on kept me very neutral so I wasn't really a person to argue. I couldn't, you know, handle arguments and I didn't talk back to people. Mm. And that's what the people in my community kind of knew me as. And they liked it in, in a way, too, because I was very respectful to the patriarchal standards and the culture. Mm. So. so let us in a little bit more about this culture so that 
we all can understand a little bit more and follow follow what you're saying. What what was the background? What was the culture like? So the culture is still alive to today. Um, and fortunately, I'm no longer married to anyone in that culture. <laughs> I moved way apart. But in this culture, um, it's mostly Islamic um, and Macedonian background is, you know, it's a very patriarchal society where the men uh, have the last word, first word and last word. Um, the women uh, work very hard. I know a lot of women who are actually the breadwinners. <laughs> and the men take advantage wow. you know I'm not, I'm not speaking for every man in my culture I'm speaking you know for those who you know provide that you know that destruction to women is through that is that you know wow. they let the women they let the women work so hard take care of the kids take care of the house you know they have such high high expectations of what a woman should do on a daily basis and if you ask me that in itself is is destruction to women uh, absolutely right absolutely. because there's no 50 50 there it's like 70 30 or maybe 80, 20, you know, the woman is doing so much. She's bringing money home. She's taking care of the kids. She's taking care of the house. And she is giving her utmost, utmost respect to his family, despite whatever happens, whatever they say, whatever they do. It's like, you're like, you, you, you are required to be a, a conformative person at all times. And if you're not, then abuse may follow. Wow. Wow. That's hardcore right there. I hope y'all just picked all of that up. That's really hardcore. What was that culture like for you? Did you feel like you lost your voice? You lost yourself? Like bring us into that. What was that actually like for you? How, how did you navigate that? I think when you, in general, if, if you grow up seeing something from such a young age, it's your normalcy. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, that was definitely my normalcy. Um, and it's funny because, you know, looking back, which I'll dive deep into it later, um, is when you, when you grew up in, in destruction already, and then you, you know, you, you expect it and, and you, you thrive on it. And, and the funny part is that I was seeking validation from this patriarchal society. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's called domestication. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I will give a, a quick example to the listeners. So let's say um, family is coming over on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I'm already planning this six course meal by Wednesday, right? Because I want to impress the guests. So now when those guests leave, they will talk within the community. Wow, we went to her house. Her house was so clean. You know, she gave us such great appetizers. She was so nice. You know, she she made us like this cool cappuccino coffee. So I was so focused on getting the validation, not only from my first husband, but from everyone around us. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I no longer do that. <laughs> Yeah, so that kind of made you like what, like a people pleaser, you would yeah. say, trying to, yeah, wow. So here you are dealing with all of this, which was pretty much your norm, that's how you grew up. But after a while, you, you've been with your husband for several years, you're like, you know what, defining moment, I gotta go. They're calling you the runaway bride. 
you're in Austria. Yes. Bring us to Austria. How did that personal journey for you start of inner healing and everything? I think just being there, being in Austria is so beautiful. Yeah. And I, I got the chance to go to the surrounding places like Czechoslovakia. Um, so it was, it was really, really cool just to be in a different scenery. And I think that's so important for anyone listening who is going through a really tough time. You know, if you have the financial means, um, you know, go somewhere go somewhere outside of your environment. Because like I said, if you are in the environment that is no good for you and that's all you know, it's hard to gain an, a different perspective. So Absolutely. yeah, so when I went to Austria, I think the environment in itself was just healing, just looking at a new, you know, new things and also being around my dad's family. Um, it was so healing, like just, to receive like hugs from my little cousins that I haven't seen maybe in five years. Um, that was so healing. And I was able to see some good parts of the culture, meaning I saw couples in the community that were actually normal, you know, that, you know, I saw the man helping out at home, you know, which was my cousin, of course. <laughs> he was, you know, wonderful with his wife. And, you know, uh, we went to the mall with them and, He's like, oh, here you go. And he bought her this 300-year-old jacket. And I'm like, what? Like, is that even a thing? You know? So I was able to see the good sides. And I said to myself, well, there must be something out there that is just as healthy as what I'm looking at right now. And um, that shifted so many things for me because I was able to say to myself, hey, you love your culture so much. Maybe you can still be with someone within the culture, mm -hmm. but it can't be this person. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because what makes things toxic is not the relationship itself. It is the individuals. And this right. is why healing unresolved trauma and negative experiences, y'all already know I'm about to go on a rampage. It's so important. It's so important. Because what happens is we wind up with people, no matter what the interaction is, whether it's romantic or just a friendship. And what winds up happening is that we, unfortunately, have to experience the unhealed version of them. Right. Which is not healthy, is not toxic. And it's ultimately not who they truly are. But because that work hasn't been done, right. we get the, that other side of it. So, wow. Okay. This is so good. Like what you're saying reminds me of what my therapist, I have a therapist. I advocate for mental health. That's right. You guys get you a good therapist. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It doesn't matter how much you feel like you've grown or whatever the case may be. You are never too evolved, if you will, for therapy. Right. And so when my therapist used to say all the time, shout out to Dr. Kia, I love you, girl. <laughs> when my therapist used to say all the time is, Robin, you cannot heal in the environment that wounded you. So when you say go somewhere, and it's so funny, like, real talk, right now, I want to take a trip. And so that's why I was smiling so hard. Because for me, it's like confirmation. Yeah, girl, you need to get up out of here. Yeah. Oh, take a break. You deserve it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yes. And it's just like, 
Yes, I have been personally just when I want to be around water. Water, I love water. Water grounds me, water resets me, and it's just beautiful to look at. And so I want to go somewhere. <laughs> Definitely do it. Where there's a lot of water. And I want to do it more often. Like I want that to be my everyday, like a part of my lifestyle, honestly, is what I'm getting to. Because I just think it's so important. I'm not just for healing aspects, but just for if you know something works for you, integrate that into your life. You know, I agree. yes. So, girl, here you are, runaway broad, <laughs> finding your peace in Austria. You're yep. seeing how healthy relationships actually exist within the culture, and you get this aha moment like, maybe it's not the culture, it's who I was with and his, his family. So now bring us up to speed when your life shifts again. So when I came back, um, like I mentioned before, is I, I, I was on the airplane coming to New York. So picture this, I'm on the plane. I'm like full of positive energy, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. I even bought this book. It was so funny. Like it's a, it's a book you can find out on Amazon is should I stay or should I leave? Because I was, I was, I was, I was really contemplating like, should I divorce or should I not? Should I should or should I not? So I land in New York and I'm like, so ready to go into my apartment to like, tell him like, you know what, this is, this is it. I'm done with you. And as soon as I get home, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I couldn't do it. So, but thankfully, I mean, I found Shamar on social media while I was in Austria. So I reached out to her and I said, hey, like, I know you you, you don't want to give advice, like, should I, you know, leave him or not leave him, but I want to leave him, but I just don't know how. Can you please help me? Wow. Because she didn't want to say, like, yeah, leave him or stay with him because, uh -huh. you know, it's even as a therapist, as a coach, it's like too much direct guidance can right. be hurtful. Absolutely. They have to find their own way and arrive to their own answers. Absolutely. Yes. So then I said, okay, well, SOS, like help me out. And we were able to, you know, transition to me leaving within not even two weeks. So here's the, here's a surprising part though. Here's the funny part, which I look back now and I'm laughing, but at the time I was like sobbing over it. So I, within those two weeks, was trying to shift myself from like, you know, uh, maybe to definite yes, leaving. But within those two weeks, he, my, my first husband at that time, he already left and he already fixed his new apartment. And I had no idea. Wow. So like it's it was because he was so mad that i left to austria you know that hurt his male pride to a whole nother extent mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so when i was away he was already leaving wow so that worked out for you actually it did it did work out but then when i found out i was like wait i was supposed to want be the one to make the decision so it was like Hmm, like I was kind of mad, mm -hmm. you know, but it, it did work out. 
because he ended up leaving the apartment and I stayed. And then I worked with Shamar for a whole year. I yeah. worked with him a whole year, which doesn't happen often because people who enter mentorship and, and don't take it seriously, they fall off and say, oh, it doesn't work. Well, that's not, that's not how it works. You know, yeah. to, to truly feel the transformation, you have to stay the amount of time that the mentor feels that you should stay. Yeah, the coach, the coach. Yeah, absolutely. Was it a mentorship program or a coaching program? It was a one-on-one with Jamar for a whole entire year. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, shout and out was, to Coach Jamar. Yeah, shout Yay. out to her. <laughs> she, she worked her magic. I mean, oh my God. She was there for me every step of the way, all the way until I found my husband now, Adwell. Um, love of my life. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't oh. think we didn't think it was gonna happen, but it happened so fast. You know, once it's 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 crazy because I was in pain, I was healing, but I was moving. It was like three yes. com- three compartments. Like, oh my god, it was just say it again, Coach Mary. You did what? <laughs> oh my god! Again. So I was in pain, I was mm-hmm. healing and moving at the same time. Did y'all catch that? They go to mic drop. There's the gems right there. Remember. Every story shared, you guys are going to see their own unique blueprint. Didn't I tell y'all? I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to help you. <laughs> I'm trying to help us. In pain. Yep. And you were? Healing. And you were? Moving on. <laughs> moving on. So this is your, this was, this is your little personal secret sauce, your, your blueprint of how you begin to transform your experience. Bring us deeper, girl. It's getting good to me. Bring us deeper into that. So you're coaching, you're, you're doing these three things simultaneously. Yes. And what you found the love of your life. Bring us into that. All the shifts. What began to happen? Where were you? What was happening? How were you emotionally, mentally? Bring us into that. Okay. So once I ditched the first husband, like we're done, you know, you know, of course I had flashbacks every single day. Um, it was not easy. I, I would be driving to work, you know, with my full makeup on, like trying to feel good. And I would be breaking down, you know, on my way to work behind the desk. And, you know, but then after doing my sessions with Shamar, I would feel a little better. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to start dating. And she's like, I I don't think you're ready for that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I really want to, I really want to date. And then we came to this conclusion, which was, which is really powerful what I'm about to say. It's okay to want to be in a partnership, even if you are, you know, it's not, it doesn't seem like it's the right time. If you feel like it's the right time, then okay. But here's the thing. Here's the catch. It's like, how do I say? Let's say you go buy lottery tickets, right? And let's say you're eligible to win a few lottery tickets, right? So let's say in a week, you're able to win $5, right? That's good. It's a good amount of money. But let's say you waited and you were able to win, you were able to win, let's say $500 in one month. That's much better than the $5, right? Yes. Now, let's say you waited two months and it's going bigger now. You just jumped to $100,000, mm-hmm. right? In two months. 
So that this is just a metaphor that I just made up in my head right now. It's just to show that sometimes patience will give you something that you didn't even think about, something even better because you don't know better yet. So if you're patient, you will receive that higher value in the relationships that you're looking for. So if you jump on it, you're only going with the knowledge that you know. So why don't you just wait a little bit, go with new knowledge, and you're going to level up. Ladies, hey, can you hear me? <laughs> my drop. That was so good, Coach Mary. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. So here you are pivoting, moving around, finally getting over that disorganized attachment. Let's highlight that for a moment though, because I just want to make sure I know that that is a therapy term. And I want to just yeah. make sure everybody understands what we even mean by that. And talk just a little bit of how you were able to overcome this disorganized attachment that you had to your first husband to continue to to be able to pivot to ultimately find the love of your life your calling and so many other things you were able to accomplish which we're going to get into so in the psychology world which i've learned is that the goal of relationships is to feel secure. So when you think of the word secure, you think of safety, you think of feeling peaceful and calm. Um, but what happened to me was that I grew up in a disorganized home, meaning that my parents, you know, were always arguing and till this day are like bickering, probably in the car right now. So, <laughs> so um, that um, was, pretty much what disorganized attachment was growing up where there was a push and pull, meaning yes. I'll give a very specific example. So my mother used to work so many hours a day until this day, she's a workaholic and that's where I get it from. And so whenever she would leave to go to work, some days I would feel sad, but some days I wouldn't care. Mm. And when she would return, I would feel the same. Some days I would care and some days I wouldn't. And if she was working, let's say, so many shifts, like maybe three, four days, when she came back, I would be scared of her because she was almost like, who is this lady? I would tell my grandmother, she was my caretaker. I'm like, what is she doing here? Like, I don't want to go out with her to the park. I'm used to going out to the park with you. So um, like both parents were never really around that much. But what hit me the most was my, my mother not being around and it's sad because I don't have one single memory of her, like going out with her. I don't, I don't remember anything. And that went into my relationships where it's pretty much this push and pull. Like, you know how I said, I felt anxious sometimes and sometimes I felt okay. So that went into my, my first marriage where there were moments where I needed extreme closeness, right? And then there was moments where I would push him away and be like, hey, like, uh, I just want to be left alone. I can't deal with this. Oh, my God. You know, like have my panic attacks and like just be like shut out. And that's wow. rooted from how I was with my mom. And I didn't know that until recently. Girl, you just helped me personally. <laughs> like. Yeah. So that's wow. what it is. Let me explain. So, so it's secure is the goal, right? 
avoidant, there's avoidant attachment as well. So avoidant is like I said, you push people away. Anxious, right. anxious attachment is where you need too much closeness and you, you need like a validation often. Like, mm-hmm. please tell me you love me. Do you love me? Do you still love me? Am I beautiful? Did I gain weight? You know, it's like that. And then there's disorganized, which is the mixture of boy, of both avoidant and anxious. So it's like a hot mess. Right. Disorganized is like the highest level of dysfunction in relationships. It doesn't have to be with who you're with. It can be with your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle, whoever was your primary caregiver. Those are the people who have the highest influence in your relationship. Girl, when I tell you, you literally, like seriously, you literally, I had a conversation recently and you literally just gave me the professional term for what I was trying to convey. Wow. While we were ha- that's what I said. You really just helped me. Like, whoa, like, I'm, I'm going to go back to the person and say, I know what it is now. Like what the actual term is. And it was, it was weird because we literally was having a conversation and we came to the understanding that my way of being in relationships, same thing. Like my biological mother passed away when I was six, but I have, you know, I am adopted. Sorry to hear. And yeah, it's okay. And my adopted mom was the same. She was a workaholic. Mm. And she was never there. And when she came home, the rule was, I give me at least an hour to wind down. But we're children. Children don't understand that you need a a Mm. time, you know? So we would give her her time. But by the time she had her time, we are children. We got to get ready for bed and get up in school in the morning. Right. So she was not emotionally available to us. Mm. She rarely was physically available to us. And she just drove. Her message was education, education, education. Make sure you guys achieve great grades. Do not come up in this house pregnant. Oh. <laughs> and, and she drove spirituality. Everybody in this house is going to church. You're going to know who Jesus is. Oh, wow. That was my upbringing. Those were the three messages that she drove and she drove hard. And while I'm thankful for those messages, right. um, there was so much missing. And I, I, you know, so many people have told me like over time, like, you know, Robin, you're so cool and you're loving and stuff, but you when it comes to emotions it just seems like if it's not anger or or happiness there's no in between or sadness it's like I had a it it wasn't even that it wasn't an in between it was that I only knew how to exhibit like the basics Mm. angry sad happy you know that's it angry sad happy you know like extreme emotions that's that's basically what I knew how to exude you know what I mean and then even after a while my sadness you know and I tell people this and for those of you who have read the book diaries of an ex-entertainer you already know it got to a point where for years I couldn't even cry Mm. like literally for years um yeah it it was rough it it sounds like there was a lot of suppression motion to the point oh yeah it became stoic 
Absolutely. Because I was in straight up survival mode. I didn't have the time to process my emotions because I had to be there for my siblings. And if I didn't keep it together and if I broke down, then my siblings, and this was my mind, Mm. my thinking, then my siblings wouldn't, wouldn't feel secure and wouldn't believe that there was any hope for us. If the one that they knew to be strong broke down, then what is and then what is it going to be like for the rest of what, us? What made and you so, want to take on that kind of role in the in the family? I didn't even want to. It just came. It, it came naturally to me. I'm a natural. I'm naturally a protector. I'm naturally a protector, um, and I think that came from survival. Y'all, she questioning me. This her interview. I'm just. <laughs> Here goes oh, the therapy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, just, I'm really just affirming how what you just said was just so spot on. And this is literally what we were talking about. We came to that realization like, oh my God, Robin, you get this. This came from the relationship you have with your mom. This is why you're like this and your relationships. Like I'm supportive. I will push you. I'm there for you. But I have that thing where, okay, I'm there. I'm there. And, and when I tell you I'm there, I'm, nobody can't beat me at being there. Like overgiving. Like, you know what I mean? And then yeah. after that, I need time. That's the avoidance. I need to recharge. That's what I say. I just tell people I'm an ambivert. And after I pour out, I just... <laughs> I just need time and I think and I think that's so common for high achieving women like ourselves Mm -hmm. you know because we we're so passionate about what we do and you know based on our upbringing we're over givers high achievers because of the high expectations that were given to us in our childhood but but you know the price that we have to pay for that is that our whole body becomes exhausted oh oh my god yeah so the best way to do deal with that is to is to have some sort of a balance. And you know, that's hard because even myself, I'm like, okay, okay, it's 10 o'clock. I'm in bed. I should be dreaming right now, but I'm I wanna I wanna get this last post in, you know, because it's like we're we're so into our work, but there comes a time where you just need to know when to rest. You know, and allow yourself to rest. And I know it sounds easier than done. For high achieving people, it's so it's a foreign concept. We get we wait all the way until we're like on zero percent charge. And then we're like, oh, we need to go somewhere. Yeah, no, I learned that lesson. 2019, September, I went on a sabbatical. And that's where I learned rest. That's where I began to to I was already kind of like in and out of my what I call my feminine um journey like getting back into that embodiment of feminine energy and I was on my sabbatical it was a spiritual journey for me but that's why I really 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 begin to get grounded and into that and so you are so right you are so right but that is not my portion no more I refuse I refuse and a lot of people like oh my god Robin you do so much Robin knows how to ask for help Robin knows how to delegate Robin knows balance Robin Robin knows systems (laughs) So what looks effortless to others is because of the everything that that is happening to make it look amazing. And that's incredible. Catch that part because I refuse to get burnt out. Ain't nobody taking me out early. I take naps. 
Yes. <laughs> Same. <laughs> okay. Coach Mary. Oh my gosh. Y'all, are y'all enjoying this? Because I, I, you know, it, I just want y'all to know it's okay to receive. Like Coach Mary just helped me right quick. Oh you my know, God. it's her interview, but she just helped me. <laughs> Ladies listening, I know I have some men that listen to, especially on the audio version of the podcast. It is okay to receive. And I received that coach therapist and coach. Come on, double threat. <laughs> I received that. And thank you so much. That was a breakthrough moment for me, y'all. was not wow. expecting that. That was so good. I had no idea what disorganized attachment was. Whoa. Yeah, I didn't know about it either. And there's so many things that I'm learning every single day in the psych world. And I think, you know, I think you had a post on Facebook. I think it was a few weeks ago where you said, it's important to really uh, learn your 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 what you're teaching before you teach it, and you know receive the accreditation before you teach it. And I think that's so powerful because it's one thing to coach from just experience, but then there's another thing from coaching from knowledge, you know, because it's like our experiences can only take someone so far, you know, because it's such a one-sided experience, right? Because everyone's experience is so different. So if I was to coach just on my experience, probably I would best serve the women in my cultural community. But what about the other women out there, you know, who come from different backgrounds, different spiritual backgrounds, religious backgrounds? you know different beliefs about relationships all together so I think it's incredible that I'm learning about psychology every single day and what the the biggest breakthrough is like what I've said is how we were raised definitely influences our relationships and knowing that you'll you'll be able to choose someone you know who has overcome and become uh, become aware of how they were raised and how that affects them. Because if you're meeting someone who's unaware, the same way that you're unaware, it's like two unaware people getting together and then boom, problems. Right, right. So if at least one of them is aware, this happened to me, you know, when I met my now husband, he was not aware of anything. I mean, he grew up with a pretty, you know, it seemed to be a pretty happy family. But, you know, that I was, you know, in psychology school and becoming aware of myself and going through the mentorship with Shamar and going to therapy as well. Like I was doing three things at once for my personal journey. And I was able to pinpoint so many things from my now husband. I'm like, you know what? You guys make it seem like you're in a perfect family. Well, guess what? Your dad was outside of your life for X amount of years when he wanted to, you know, start a new life in Italy and he left his mom and his brother in Albania to start a new life and I'm like well how did that make you feel that you were left alone for such a long time without your dad because the last thing that my father-in-law said to him was I'm coming back but he was only eight years old so when you step into your awareness and you're like healed, you know, healing is an ongoing process, but when you're like 80% there and you're aware of your behaviors and you're aware of your family upbringing, and then when, you know, then you're able to turn around and shift and say, hey, how did that make you feel when you were eight years old? You know, you're able to heal your partner, which is cool. Absolutely, absolutely. I always tell clients all the time, And they laugh at me at first because they have no idea what I'm talking about. But I tell them all the time, 
a lot of the limiting beliefs and the things that we are probably going to, going to be working through yeah. stems from your childhood. Yeah. It's the inner child that we have to heal, especially those of us that are in a certain age bracket, because, you know, culture wise, as far as timing wise, we grew up at certain times, Right. you know, we're, it's different now. The, the people that are growing up now have so many things accessible. There's so, I mean, it's not perfect, but there's so many things that are, that's okay. You know, like therapy, all these things, it's, it's okay. As to where, when we were growing up, oh my God, you yeah. absolutely not. What goes on in this house stays in this house. What do you mean? And then you, you better go somewhere and pray about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm glad you mentioned that. I don't know if we're going over our time, but. Oh, you're good what actually got me into therapy and on medications antidepressants was uh it was a i wouldn't say fatal but it was like a really dramatic experience because like you just said my parents were so against like therapists and then you know when i was having problems within the marriage within those seven years one day you know i went to my parents house for a few days because i just couldn't take it anymore and i woke up in the morning and i fainted like just drastically, like I was just having a conversation with my father and I just fainted and my dad's like, what the hell's going on with this girl? He calls the ambulance and go to the, you know, hospital. And they're like, oh, you know, sorry, your daughter has severe anxiety and she has to take medications and she has to see a therapist as soon as possible. So that's how it all started. Like I was, you know, still married to my first husband, very young. I think the time that I got diagnosed was 19 years old. Um, so that's how it all started. That's how the journey started. You know, I, although I wasn't able to get out so fast, that was a starting point. Yeah. That was a starting point. Wow. Okay. So let's pivot. Yeah. You throughout this journey, you've, you've done all this work. You were in pain, but you were healing and you kept moving. Yeah. You oh, just, how, Y'all, this is giving me life. If you can't tell, I'm trying to get myself together. But this is giving me all types of life right through here. And you're doing all this good stuff. You, you, you know, you stand up for yourself. You, you get out of the environment. You come back. You yep. start to pivot again. You're working with your coach. You're getting all this breakthrough. You want to date again. You meet the love of your life. What are some other things that you were able to achieve and overcome as a result of you doing this inner work and transforming your experiences? I think the greatest thing was the medications because I was scared that, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to have children because I don't know if the listeners know, but if you're on antidepressants, you know, it's really high risk pregnancy. So not that I wanted to have a baby, but I just the thought of not being able to have one was really not sitting well with me. Mm -hmm. So once, you know, I found a duel and, you know, we were doing really well, I, I said to him, hey, you know, my goal is to get off these medications. Like, I don't know if you're going to end up being the father of my kids or whatever, <laughs> but I need to support my friend. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. So I put it on a vision board, put it on a vision board saying that I'm going to be off the medications within one year. Funny enough, due to like the high support from the coaches, the therapists, from my partner, I was able to get off in two months. Like that is beyond like Ooh. two months. And I was on this medication for five years. Wow. You know, these are medications that were my coping mechanism. Anytime I felt a high stress, 
it could even be the smallest little thing. Like, let's say you get a unexpected bill or something. I would be like, oh, okay, pop a pill. Like, you know, <laughs> so that it was really hard to get off. And, you know, within those two months, I think I had to take off time from work because my body couldn't handle, you know, getting off of these drugs. It's like getting off real drugs because I was yeah. so, so reliant on them and, you know, use them to feel happy. So then I was going through so many emotions, like, you know, I was getting scared, like, hey, oh my God, now I'm with this new partner and what if I'm now so negative without the pills? And then he like runs away. So that was the anxious part of me still. Yeah. And it was coming out like all in ugly places. Like I was like, my thoughts were so ugly. And, you know, but I was mostly on the bed rest and I was able to fight through it with everyone talking to me, all the mentors and, and the therapists. And I did it. Like I, I was just like, wow, how I weaned off, if anybody who's listening is on antidepressants, how I weaned off was I, I was meeting the psychiatrist every single week. So they were able to see, you know, okay, now you're ready to go down a little bit more. Now you're ready to go down a little more. And once I got off completely, I started to take a lot of vitamins, which people see now on my Facebook post. Like I'm so big on vitamins. So when I up my vitamin intake, like every kind of vitamin you could think of, omega-3, you know, uh, <laughs> All those good stuff. So when I started to take that, I was able to maintain like my happy moods and my serotonin levels. And funny part is you can actually find supplements that have serotonin, which basically you can increase serotonin is to increase your happy moods. And if I knew that back then, at 19 years old, I wouldn't, you know, allow someone to force me to take medication and put myself in a risk to the point where I wouldn't be able to have children. So, but, you know, you live and you learn. And I'm and like you said, people now are so, you know, in a better stance because parents are aware of these things. They are aware of supplements. They are aware of these therapeutic services, but my parents were not. Right, right. So it put me in a, such a long spiral, which, like, with one order on Amazon, could have been. <laughs> like, I love Amazon. <laughs> like, it could have been solved, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So, you overcome and you get off of the medicine, which is something we have in common. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. We have that in common as well. I think that's dope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And what else were you able to achieve, though? Because you achieved quite a bit, not just getting off of the anti-depressants, not just finding the love of your life. Take us into these other shifts and these achievements that you were able to have. I think the shift, the next shift was once I got off, um, those two months were probably one of the two, I mean, the greatest um, hardship that I've ever experienced. So I was like, wow, like, I'm going to start to take mental health more serious. I, I want to be a mental health advocate. And as I was going through the sessions with Shamar, she was like, well, if you're so interested in mental health, why don't you look into some careers, you know, that, that you could probably align with that. So I was looking around like, hmm, then I ran across to our university, you know, the price was great. And, the, you know, the counselors were so nice and missions was really nice. And I signed up 
like it was a no-brainer for me because I'm like well those two months were the hardest two months of my life so I know someone out like someone is out there with the same journey right now and if I could help them get off if I can help them or even get on because they really need it um then I'm all for it so that was cool to find my calling and you know every day is a learning experience at school it's cool (laughs) absolutely so here you are the love of your life you you know you kind of didn't tell us how that happened though so really can you tell us how you guys met okay so uh so the the first time like how I said to Shamar oh I'm ready but I really wasn't funny part was that I ended up dating somebody within the community. I won't say no names, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, because that's all I knew, right? It was somebody that I knew like long time from a long time ago. So when I dated him, it was pretty much the same things that I was seeing in the past in the first marriage. I'm like, you know, this is really repetitive. This is not what I want. I'm trying to get away from this. I don't want to relive this. I don't want another trauma. So, you know, with the help of Shamar, we were both decided, we were like on the panel, like, he's a no. (laughs) We're like, he's a no. And um, so then we're like, I gave myself a little bit more time. I think it was about two or three months, you know, just doing the sessions with Shamar. Like she gave me so many healing assignments. So week by week, I would do the assignments. And then I was like, you know what, now I'm really ready. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. So I signed up for this dating app, like, so like random i was working at the at the nursing home at the time during the pandemic like the pandemic just started like we were hearing some stuff in europe but it wasn't really a big thing here so i'm i'm at the at the office at the nursing home working and i just sign up and the first person who pops up his name is Adwell, and i'm like oh he speaks italian i speak italian i took italian in high school okay this is gonna be cool so we start talking and one thing led to another i'm like wow like this happened so fast and here's here's the thing that i don't share with everyone because i just want to say so because i was healed i was able to stand up for myself when something happened in the relationship and what i mean is that when you're dating like a guy is is probably talking to other people right because he's trying to find the best one right uh-huh. and then same goes for women but women we're a little different i don't know correct me if i'm wrong that when we like someone we're like oh forget everybody else exactly we're like, <laughs> that's a <the> problem <laughs> we need to have multiple people too in dating let's normalize that it doesn't decrease your value or make you dating is not having sex i mean we're adults let's just call yeah let's just talk dating (laughs) is not having sex sex ladies it is okay to have um multiple suitors if you will right yeah like going out to dinner to a movie like you know like courting you know back in the day you know so but people move so fast and then you know things get a little crazy so So what what I want to share with the listeners is that because I did the real healing and everything, it got to a point where I was like, oh my God, I really, really like him. He's so handsome. I never was with anyone. By the way, I was never with anyone that handsome because funny enough, people call me beautiful and this and that, but I've always went for the people who were not good looking. And I don't know why. It was probably because my self-esteem was so low. Um, but you know, as I stepped into my healing and power, I'm like, yeah, I deserve someone who's hot as me, you know? So, so that was interesting. But then 
within a few weeks, I found out that he was, you know, talking to some of the girls too. And it was just a random thing. Like I saw his phone and his phone was open and I'm like, oh no, we are not about to have this. But then I was like, wait, wait, wait. Okay. The old Mary is like to panic and freak out. This is the new Mary. Healed Mary. Healed Mary is calm, collective, assertive, and just says what she needs to say. So we were out, you know, just having a cup of coffee. And I'm like, okay, so we've been, you know, talking for a little while now. And and I'm just going to say this. You know, I really like you. <laughs> so, and I would like to continue dating you. But one thing that's what's not sitting well with me is, one, you left your phone open for me to see. I don't know if that was intentional or not intentional. But we're just going to address it right here, right now. And um, I see you're talking to other people, which, you know, is pretty normal when you're dating. But I, I thought that we're getting serious. So, like, what is it that you want to say about this? And he just looked at me, he was like, whoa, like this girl is not playing no game. She's laying the law. And another thing that I said that was very powerful was, listen, if you want to not take this seriously, like I can go. Like, cause you know, if you're not it, then someone else is. Right. And he was just like, wow, this girl's confident. (laughs) So so he was just all confused. He was like, well, 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 you just let me get a minute to explain that. So long story short, he's like, no, I like you too. And and I was talking to other people, but I really want to be with you. And I was like, well, if you want to be with me, you have two days to figure it out. And I just left. (laughs) I just, I just took my bag and left. I was like, all right, I don't care. Like, Meanwhile, inside, I'm like, yeah, I really care. I want to know what the hell's going on. <laughs> so so I, I let it rest for two days, right? Oh, yeah. Here's a grand, grand shift. Are you ready? Yes. This is, this is so shocking. This probably does not happen in American relationships. But it does. You know, he's from a country next to Macedonia. Uh-huh. He shows up to my apartment with his luggage. Wow. wow yep. I was just like, what? What are you doing here? Like, 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 are you spending the weekend with a whole big luggage? <laughs> I was so confused because, you know, throughout the, the few weeks that we were dating, um, I'm not going to lie. I felt lonely sometimes. So I would, I would say to him like, oh my God, like you just totally move in one, one day. Like, you know, like, you know, the, the inner girl of you, like some parts we, we can't undo yeah it's okay to have those moments so I did say that to him a few times like hey you know if you want to move in no problem like because I felt lonely Mm -hmm. and he shows up with his big luggage Wow. and he's like well I remember when we first started dating and I asked you if you want to move to Jersey and you said no because the tolls are too expensive Mm -hmm. so I thought about it I'm moving in and I'm like what So I had a moment of freaking out. Like, I just couldn't help myself. Like, I went into a panic mode. I literally took, I was just holding my head like this. I'm like, what's happening? Like, are you really moving in? Why? I was like, don't you have a home? He's like, no, my lease is up. So I think this is a perfect sign. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God. So then I told him, no, I need two days to figure this out. It's so funny because I told him, you figure it out. Now I'm like... So he, okay, so he left the luggage, but then he went he went back to Jersey because I told him I need my space for two days. I, I really need to process what the hell is going on. Yeah. Because this is all so fast now. He's like, but what do you mean? Like, you're the one who wanted to 
move on and like get an answer from me. So Ladies, it's like, yeah. uh -huh, you do that. Be careful, Jack. Yeah, be, careful, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> because when it happened, I was just like getting scared. Like all the emotions started to come to me and I'm like, okay, okay, this is a big deal because if I move in, you know, like the, the whole culture community is gonna know that like he's half of a husband. Like it's not like Americans where you just, you know, change boyfriends and they move in with you whenever you want or break up whenever you want. It's like, if you're with him, that's it. He's basically your husband. Like you wouldn't catch a Macedonian person say, oh, so-and-so moved in with her and that's her boyfriend. No, they're gonna say, oh, that's her husband. They don't even care whether you got married or not because in their culture of mind, it's like, oh yeah, they're married you know so i was like wait a minute this is a big deal like oh my god my mom doesn't even know like what is going on and i called him like oh my god my mom doesn't know he goes yeah she does i'm like what you spoke to my mom he's like yeah yeah this whole thing is all right <laughs> and i'm like oh my god like because i took him to dinner to meet my mom yeah and and you know he doesn't smoke cigarettes often, but once in a while he'll do it, you know, socially. Yeah. And my mom's a heavy smoker, so he felt like that was the way to be friends with her. <laughs> so he, while they were smoking, I had no idea what they were saying last week, the week before. He was like, hey, I really want to move in with her. You know, she, she seems quite lonely, and I think it's great financially for us to be together. Da, 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 da. I have no idea. I'm, like, in the living room, like, singing my favorite Bulgarian song. Like, you know, like, no idea. So it, it happened so fast and, you know, the transition was really hard. Those, those two days were really difficult for me because I was like, okay, okay, this is scary. I don't know what's going to happen. The unknown is here. It's either I'm going to go for it or I lose him forever. But he's replaceable, isn't he? I'm like talking to myself. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, we do so that. Yeah. That's real. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm like, oh, yeah, like, like, is there like a sign like somewhere like God tell me like this is okay. So I was like, you know what, let me just do it. Like, what do I have to lose, you know, and then that's where the healed part of me started talking like, hey, Mary, guess what? If it doesn't work out, who cares? Who cares? That was really a life changing perspective and thing to say to myself, like, you know what, who cares about what the people say? Right, that's right. This is your who, life. Yeah, who cares if they said, "Hey, this girl, she got married like four times," and they call <laughs> me, they call me a whore. Let's say it, you know. <laughs> that's real. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, you know what? Who cares? Because are they the ones paying my bills? No, they're the ones living what what I'm living through. No, and at the end of the day, I was like, you know, love's a risk. Love's a risk. It let is. me, yeah. But let me just let me just go because I I feel I feel like in my heart like this is it, and. I'm going to say this. This is very transparent. When he moved in, mm -hmm. I felt very weird. Mm -hmm. I felt weird for that whole entire month. And I was telling Shamar, I'm like, oh my God, do I even like him anymore? Like, I don't know what it is. She's like, no, you're just, you're just scared. You're so scared. You're so scared to love again. You're scared of getting hurt. And you're scared that the same thing's going to happen. You're scared that he's going to leave you yeah. or that he might hurt you. And so you're just in fear, you know? Yeah. So I, was, I wasn't talking that much. I wasn't that high energetic person that I usually am with him. And I just kept telling him, listen, this is the truth. This is how I feel. I'm scared. So just bear with me for this month or two, you know? And he was like, okay, okay, you know? <laughs> and, he, and he was really good about it because I think if it was another guy, 
he would run away. He would be like, you know what? This girl's all crazy. (laughs) You know? So, um, but yeah, he was, he was with me throughout that transition. He was with me throughout getting off the medications and, and just giving me so many happy moments. But one thing I want to say is that I never made him my full source of happiness. You're talking coach Mary. Yeah. And that's what I did again. My job. Never made him my full source of happiness. See, I love it when I get the opportunity to interview, like, basically, you can, because you're like a love coach, you're a divine love coach. Yeah. yeah. I love when I get to interview people that are in the relational industry because I say these things to my clients all the time, but you know, that's not really my thing. So right. they listen, but they really don't because they're like, oh, Coach Robin, what are you talking about? But I say all the time, that is so unhealthy. Yeah. And we have to understand that there is no such thing as making any one person your like in all be all that. Do you know how much pressure that puts on that person? And it makes things so unhealthy. You're are you a Christian? I am. Okay. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna use this metaphor so the listeners can understand. Mm-hmm. So you know that God doesn't like when we idolize people too much. Correct. So what are you doing when you're idolizing a man? You're not living in God's word, are you? Mm. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Yes. This is, y'all, I hope y'all are picking this up. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> is that not true that is so true that is so true it's, is it's basically like god saying anything in x um like too much is not good for you you put too much ketchup on that fries your stomach is gonna hurt right mm-hmm. anything anything in excess is not good so that that brings us back to the term of balance right you have to have a balance and everything you do. And that's what I teach women in my program. Like, how do you find certain things to make yourself happy and also not get too excited in the beginning? Like I have yeah. a, I have a client who she, she found this guy and she got so excited. And like, she was like about to say no to seeing her friend. And I'm like, Big no, no. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me, (laughs) you are going to see your friend at brunch at 12 o'clock, though, like the way you said you was, because what are you going to do when you leave all your friends behind? And And this is so common. It is. And then it doesn't work out. And then you try to fall back on those friends. And they're like, but girl, you ditched me. So now they're all, you know what I mean? They're all bitter and stuff like that. And I'm not sure that they should even give you a second chance because it, you don't want to be dubbed as that person that once you are in a relationship, and I used to say this to even my siblings. I have older sisters and we, and the younger ones, we used to say this to them all the time. When you guys are in relationships, you forget that you got sisters. Mm. You forget. And, and, and I used to try to, I've been, been explaining this. It's so funny because I'm not. A relationship expert i personally feel like i'm the last person to advise <laughs> anybody on anything relational but there's just 
because of my own personal life experience. Right. And there is just so many things that I tell people. I'm like, I tell people the things that I feel like no one wants to talk about. Like, get yourself together like get yourself healed get all of your stuff together make sure everything is aligned and in order that you're you are safe and secure for yourself first number right. one number two don't ever put all of your happiness into you know put that on a person you need to know you learn you what is your purpose what are your likes what are your dislikes what are the things that drive you what are, what are your passions do the things that make you happy Right. Losing you is not an option. And I personally have been there where I've been in a marriage mm-hmm. where because and I I used to fight. And oh, I would say the same things. This mm-hmm. is not healthy. Go out with your friends, let me go out with my this. I used to say it all the time, and it was like speaking to a brick wall. <laughs> yep. And yep. not understand. You go be with your friends, go do the things that make you go do that. Like you we can't do everything together. No. We just can't because we're first of all, we're not gonna get so tired of each other. Yeah, you that part, you get tired. And then honestly, it's like, why? I mean, now I'm all for compromising. If you love someone, yeah, every now and again, compromise, right? Yeah. But I'm not gonna make you poor thing. I'm not gonna make you subscribe to something you just absolutely you just have no taste for right you just hate it that's what girlfriends are for you and your girlfriends like to go do you know what i'm saying go do that with them and and it's like people don't understand that and they get into relationships and they make that person their source like you said yeah they put all of this pressure on them not understanding that we and we alone are responsible for our happiness your partner is supposed to add to that. Complimentary. Yep. That's it. Add That's to it. They're not responsible it. for it. We've nope. got to shift that paradigm. You're supposed to have a full juicy life. Let me tell you, Coach Mary, I do dance classes every week, honey. I got, I got my own stuff going yeah. on. You understand? Okay. Yes. I do things that make more happy. Okay. So like, lady even your business and that's another thing like working on my business every single day um you know reading books and i'm sure you do too Uh, these are like the high intellectual you know activities that put you in a different place you learn something new and you feel better and then you want to enlighten someone else like that's that's like a different sacred level of happiness which i think that a lot of people won't understand even if they listen to it you have to be trained by someone you have to have a coach because you can't get there alone yeah you can go you know buy your favorite book read it for a weekend but if it's not part of your daily routine you are not reaching that sacred level of happiness you know, and that happiness is what it's what you're doing every day. It's not what you're doing once a week. It's every day. That part. I call it integration, implement implementation and execution. Yes. They have to go together. People right. often are only worried about, well, I have a goal, so let me implement to execute. And it's like, but if you don't integrate, catch it, y'all. I'm dropping right. into them. Right. We often think. Right. But if you don't integrate, that's the integration, what you just said every day, that's the, that's the, you know, the integration. 
if it's are, only yeah people are impatient and i think you know and i was too i'm sure you were at the mm -hmm. beginning of your journey like hey i want to reach this goal let's say it's relationships let's say it's financial i just want to get there today like okay. or tomorrow <laughs> yeah yeah but okay. how can you how can you get there from a place of lack you're empty right so if you don't feed your mind with let's say someone who's who's training you and coaching you let's say someone joined your program and you're coaching them they're coming on zero to 20 percent right they're like run down doesn't mean they're not successful because they're high achieving right but just certain part of them is running down right and they need you to hold that space for them same with me i'm i'm able to hold that space you're able to hold that space because we've already achieved that sacred level of happiness we already achieved that oh i'm full i'm good so now i can help others but you can't go on and tell me hey uh you just started training with me today and tomorrow you want to be a coach like i did that with shamar and she left it <laughs> I told her, I was like, what do you think if I become a, a mindset coach by tomorrow? And she's like, I literally said that to her. I was like, oh my God, I, I should just open an Instagram page. I should just, and she's like, oh my God, what the hell? She was, <laughs> she was like, you're all over the place. Like, stop it. You know, and I think that was probably from the anxiety that I had because a person with anxiety has excessive thoughts super fast. I mean, like yeah. my brain could not shut up. Like yeah. my brain could not shut up, but it was very sporadic. You know, and I think that's probably what a lot of people who are just beginning their high achieving, you know, like status yeah. is that so sporadic. They're not choosing one thing and not doing it every single day. They're yeah. just like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do this. And I want to do this. And like, whoa, whoa. Like, first, you got to achieve yourself, number one. Then you can achieve the relationship, the transformation that you offer. You know, that's the goal. Absolutely. I always say this, um, birth her to birth it. That's my thing. Because I, I want people to understand that whatever it is in terms of birthing your new, whatever you're doing, whatever it is, it's right. going to require a new version and or a higher version of you in order to access it, period. Yeah. So that means it's going to take you working on you and then working on the it, whatever yes. that it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? I get that. And right? high achieving should get it too, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, Coach Mary, I want you to really briefly speak to the woman listening that's like, oh my God, I so vibe with Coach Mary. I so get her journey and what she's been through. And that's me. That's where I'm at. Give just a quick word of encouragement to the woman going through the divorce to the woman that's looking to find her divine love partner, like give a quick word of encouragement and then let them know where they can con contact you and reach out to you. Okay, so word of encouragement is that if you even have an ounce of you that knows that you deserve better in, in relationships, um, because let's say you're getting out of a bad relationship or you're currently in, actually in a mediocre one right now and you're like, ah, should I stay, should I go? If you have an ounce of you that feels like, you know what, I deserve better. And guess what? You gotta do better for yourself. And that starts with self-respect, okay? Mm. Because when you start having self-respect, everything starts aligning once you know 
if you have that ounce that knows I deserve better and you amplify that every day, I deserve better, I deserve better, I deserve better, I deserve better, guess what? You're going to get better. And I remember when I was with my cousin one day, she was in the kitchen, we were drinking a cup of coffee. And I said to her, while I was in the marriage, like I think my first husband was in the living room and we were in the kitchen. I'm like, girl, I'm gonna leave him one day. I just don't know when. And and I know I deserve better. And I literally said these words and I manifested it. It took me two years to manifest it, you know, unconsciously. But I'm like, I'm gonna find someone who's very hardworking, who contributes to me financially. I'm gonna find someone who's handsome. And um, I'm gonna come, be with someone who comes from a great family, who respects me, and who respects my ambition for business and for other things that I wanna try, but I just can't do because I feel sick. Mm. And that's what I said to her. She just looked at me, she's like, girl, you're crazy. <laughs> You know, she was like, I don't think we can do that. Because, you know, she's coming from my community. She's like, okay, now you're talking, now you're talking all rebellious. I don't know. I'm not with you on that. My father going to be mad at me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but if you have that ounce of vision, even when you're in that rut, like I was, it took me two years to get there. But if you have that feeling that you deserve it, then you can get there. And you can reach me at divineloveguide.com. I'm lounging on Christmas Day because I think Christmas Day for a lot of people is exciting, but for another people, you know, who's going through a bad time, let's say a divorce or has, is separating um, or maybe their loved one just passed away, whatever it is, um, I want to invite you to watch my free training that's lounging on Christmas Day and give you that ultimate love guide support. Awesome. Awesome. You guys, you already know I got your back. So all of her links for social media as well as her website will be found in the description and show notes. You guys, this right here, like I really want to keep her, but I, <laughs> we're going to have to have you back on again okay. for like, like Valentine's Day. Like, so we have to do something. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Yes, you have so much insight, you guys. And look, I've learned some new stuff. She's helped me. She's helped me on coach. Okay? Oh my gosh. Like, Serving the server. Okay. Like, this has just been amazing. Thank you so much for being with us. You Thank guys, you for having oh, me. Absolutely. You guys know what to do. The links will be in the description and the show notes. And as always, until next time, what do I need for you to do? I need for you to believe in your future That's right. so that you can outlive your past. I love y'all and I'll see you next time. Bye, bye. Thanks for tuning in to Diaries of an Exodol Entertainer, the podcast. Don't forget to connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Robin D. Robbins. Important links for this episode can be found in the description. Until next time, share this podcast with a friend. Hugs and much love, beautiful soul.